Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Gangsters, my gangsters, what is up? Uh, well, what's up here? Not just a sports report, combat, the second ever edition. Uh, now today, we like to keep things, or I like to keep things uh, pretty short and simple. So let me tell you exactly what I'm going to talk about today, and you can decide. Can I be fucked listening to that? Or maybe not. Or maybe you're super keen. Ah, uh, so... There's been a UFC 300 title fight announcement. I believe it's a banger. It's certainly not going to be the main event, uh, but really sound matchup. So I'm going to talk about the first title fight announcement. And now today in Australia, it is Thursday evening. I am of the belief sometime during the day on Friday in Australia. Sorry, I've been sick. My fucking throat. Sorry, I shouldn't clear my throat right in your ear holes. Uh, I apologize. But apparently tomorrow, Friday, Australian time, there's going to be a couple more UFC 300 fight announcements. So not going to talk about those here today. They should break pretty quickly. You may have even heard the news by the time this podcast is out. But I will be back to talk about the fight announcements on the weekend for our first fight card of the year. Ankalaev Walker 2 from the Apex. Uh, so today I'll be giving my picks for the card, going through a quick preview. Basically this year I'm going to have levels uh, to the preview and predictions element of each fight week. If it is an Apex card, it is going to be a lot more of a rapid picks and a quick preview. So this these days in 2024, if it's in the Apex, it's not getting the full 100% experience. Now, if it's a fight night card with a crowd, we are gonna go in, we're gonna talk all about it. And when it is pay-per-view fight week, uh, it's gonna be a heavy focus for the two podcasts during that week, heavily focused on the pay-per-view. And if there's any huge news that drops, we will talk about that, Uh, but the pay-per-views will be the main focus. This weekend, though, first card of the year is at the Apex. So I will go through that card, uh, which I did on the first edition of Combat. Uh, But this time around, I will give my picks. Given that it's an Apex card, the picks are going to come thick and fast. Also got two massive lightweight fights that have been announced earlier in the week with genuine title implications. Uh, So I'm going to talk about those two title fights. Francis Ngannou has confirmed his second opponent uh, in the boxing realm. So former UFC heavyweight champion, we'll speak quickly on him. He was going to say spork quickly and then immediately came to my mind a spork. You know, like the fork crossed with a spoon. Weird. I didn't think I was going to think about that today. Uh, And finally, UFC 300, I will be talking about our first title fight announcement. In fact... Why don't we just start right now, right at that point, 
Zhang Weili up against Yan Xiaonan has been confirmed as the first championship fight for UFC 300. I believe there's going to be three title fights. I said on the first edition of Combat, my belief, Leon Bilal in the co-main event. I don't think they'll be able to get Islam. And I know it would be somewhat controversial to put an interim title above, uh, and like main title, like welterweight. But fuck, I will not complain if the main event is Tom Aspinall defending that interim belt against Alex Pereira. Uh, if not, I think Alex Pereira most likely to be in the main event in some capacity, but we will have to wait and see. So Yan Xiaonan has well and truly earned this title shot. Uh, some massive wins that finish over Jessica Andrade, the first that comes to my mind. Uh, of course, Tatiana Suarez going to be facing off with Amanda Lamosh. Uh, I truly believe Tatiana Suarez is right there uh, in the same caliber world class as Yan Shanan and Zhang Weili. Uh, now, I was wondering whether they'd do this fight. I thought they may try and save it for a China card, and this would be a very obvious main event. But it would seem there are no immediate plans to go to China. Otherwise, I'm sure uh, they would have saved it. They need as much star power, as many title fights as they can get on this milestone card. So we have the first title fight. Yan Xiaonan challenging for the belt up against Zhang Weili, both Chinese athletes. Uh, so as far as, you know, China and the reach this fight's going to have, it is going to be massive over there. And whilst it may not have the same amount of hype, I think stylistically, this could be one of the fights of the night. Yan Xiaonan has proven she's ready for a title shot, tough as anything. Uh, even that win over Mackenzie Dern, she showed she can handle all facets of mixed martial arts, not just the striking. Uh, the way she was able to just shut Mackenzie Dern down, Yan Xiaonan is ready. While Zhang Wei Li, she's undisputed. She is the best that this division has to offer right now. Uh, and in a division where we're waiting for a few more challenges to arrive, it is Yan Xiaonan right at the front. So I think this makes perfect sense. Why wait longer than April uh, when you have Tatiana Suarez potentially knocking on the door? Uh, we'll have to get through Amanda Lamosh first. But there we have it. I think they're going to go three title fights, like I said. I think this will be the first of three. Uh, so I saw a few comments, and I mean, I was definitely not shocked to see a lot of negative comments, but... Sometimes people just don't understand the full picture. This is not the main event. We are going to get multiple title fights. Is that not something to get excited about? Uh, so women's strawweight division will take center stage. Absolutely massive spotlight. Will it be Yan Xiaonan? And new. Will Zhang Weili uh, stay atop that throne? Really exciting matchup. I, for one... I, for one, am fucking down for that. That may not be, you know, a Charles Oliveira, Armin Sarukian level of wow factor, but as far as a fight to look forward to, like, this just beefs the card up already uh, to look quite strong. You've got Bo Nickel on it. You've got Aljamain Sterling's featherweight de debut. There is still so much to be added. 
Yiri, Alexander Rakic, uh, that, I will not be surprised if that is on the prelims portion, maybe featured prelim. So the card's going to be stacked. I don't think we have to worry too much about them bringing in a big fish. Like, look, I don't think we're going to get a Khabib Nurmagomedov or anything like that. And if we can just temper our expectations, this is going to be a phenomenal card, no matter what. Uh, so first title fight added. Uh, what else do I have? Armin Charles. I just mentioned it, actually. That was part of what I came here to talk about today. Two fight announcements in the lightweight division. UFC 300, Armin Sarukian, Charles Oliveira. Winner gets a title shot. Now, the main question, will it be an immediate title shot? I have a sneaking suspicion Islam will face Justin Gaethje maybe sometime around June and that the winner of this will face the winner of that because the one thing in these lightweight fight announcements, the one notable name missing was Justin Gaethje. It appears Islam Markashev dealing with an injury, so he is not going to be available uh, by UFC 300 at this stage, uh, is what I'm led to believe. Do they go Gaethje up against Islam? I think they will. But UFC 300, this is a main card fight, just three rounds, you would have to assume. Oliveira Sarukian. Oliveira, his resume speaks for itself. I think even without having won this fight, or without taking this fight. Charles Oliveira and his body of work already basically commands another shot at the title. Yes, he was beaten by Islam Markashev already, but, I mean, that Oliveira run to the belt was something else. So he's still very much in the title picture, but now he takes a fight against the man nobody wants to fight, who just finished Benil Dariush in emphatic fashion, that being Armin Sarukian, who, much like Charles Oliveira, has already faced off up against Markashev in the past, and he went a lot better than Oliveira did. Now, that fight was only three rounds. It was also Armin's debut. So I think that speaks to the character of Armin Sarukian to take a short-notice debut against Islam Makashev. Now, fast forward all this time, uh, and other than a disappointing loss against Mateusz Gamrot in a main event setting, Armin Sarukian has not put a foot wrong. It would seem that the Armin Sarukian of 2024 is a far more polished, far more dangerous contender than that of the fighter that met Islam Makashev all those years back. So highly exciting. Uh, and one point I do have as to why potentially they will go Islam versus Gaethje and let these other two fight it out at 300 is what like I just mentioned, or what I just mentioned. The other two guys, Armin and Charles, have lost to Islam Makashev. Uh, so with that, we haven't seen Gaethje versus Makashev. So there's an immediate freshness to that matchup. Gaethje is coming off an all-time year. Think about that knockout of the year contender. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure that was the knockout of the year. It was for the Not Just a Sports Report end-of-year performance highlights. Also, a massive win, fight of the year contender against Rafael Fazeev. So Justin Gaethje very much in that title picture. I would not be opposed if they go Islam Gaethje next. 
Uh, but the fight announcement is sold. It is concrete. We have Charles Oliveira, Armin Sarukian, and this is exactly what the 155-pound division needs. We can't keep recycling uh, the same top guys up against each other. It's time to allow these guys like Armin Sarukian to truly enter the picture. And as soon as I saw this fight, the biggest stage, UFC 300, shut up and take my money. Highly excited for that fight. And I mean, it just gets my mind racing already because Armin Sarukian, it's all there to suggest he is on his run toward the belt. But if there is one thing we have learnt against, uh, about Charles Oliveira, you can never count to Bronx out of the fight. And even if you do rock him, he's not done there. Sometimes, in fact, a lot of the time, his best work comes when he's rocked. So this is a fighter that Armin hasn't faced before. Yes, he's faced Markashev, he's faced Gamrot, he's faced a who's who of the division, or at least the guys willing to fight him. But Charles Oliveira presents just a totally different threat. And it's not just the elite submission game. Now, as far as knockout power, what he's been able to do with the hands, think Justin Gaethje, think Michael Chandler, think Benil Dariush. Shut up and take my fucking money. That is a fight. UFC 300, I am down. And now the other lightweight fight announcement. This one I loved very much. And in the same vein as, you know, Armin now being allowed to sit at the table with the who's who of 155, Benoit Saint-Denis, the Frenchman, the god of war, well, he is now being allowed to sit at the table with the absolute cream of the crop. Not just sit at the table, he will be sharing the cage at UFC 299 with Dustin the Diamond Poirier. An incredible matchup. I didn't really see this one coming. I think a lot of us thought uh, Dustin Poirier probably not going to take a matchup like that. Well, he has. What stands out to me the most? I've listened to a lot of Dustin's interviews, talked about, you know, accepting the second Justin Gaethje fight, talking about accepting the Chandler fight, the Connor fights. And he has spoken a lot, very openly, about needing an opponent that, you know, really brings almost a bit of fear out of him. An opponent where he thinks, fuck, if I don't put in all the stops and have my absolute best training camp and turn up with the best version of myself, like, I could be fucked. Because this isn't just, you know, this isn't just any sport. So Dustin Poirier, he gets a kick out of being matched up with the most dangerous possible opponents. Because notably at times, Poirier, I mean, he's turned down the Benil Dariush matchup a couple of times, said for him that it didn't make sense. So what makes more sense? Fighting someone who's ranked just outside the top 10, I believe Benoit is 11th. It's the danger factor. Benil went on the run of a lifetime. But when I think, you know, Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, when you're preparing for those fights, which Dustin did, like, you've got to be ready for brutality. You've got to be ready for a war and to really lose a piece of yourself in there because these guys are some of the heaviest hitters in the division. So for Poirier, he wants that challenge. He wants those guys 
that are gonna instill a bit of fear, gonna make him a bit scared of like, fuck, what could this guy do to me if I don't bring my A game? And then that actually helps him to bring out his A game. That is the difference here. Benil Dariush, an amazing fighter, but I just don't think there's that same level when you're preparing for Benil Dariush as all these other guys like Gaethje, Chandler, and now this time around, Benoit Saint-Denis. Now, in the end-of-year performance highlights, you all voted for Benoit Saint-Denis as the breakout fighter of the year, so this makes total sense. He's had his breakout year, it's time to put him up against the best of the best, and full credit to Dustin Poirier for taking this challenge on. Now, this one, UFC 299, which holy shit, I know 300's going to be good, 299 is out of this world already. That is going to be the co-main event, five rounds, Dustin Poirier, Benoit Saint-Denis. And after UFC 300, once we've seen Benoit Poirier, and once we've seen Oliveira up against Sarukian, we're going to have a much clearer picture of the lightweight division and the championship conversation. So Gaethje, he's still waiting in the wings. Islam, not quite ready yet. And as the champion, he has earned the right uh, to be able to make the call of when he is ready. Armin Charles, that's the big one. Winner of that has the title shot. And even if they're not the next to fight Islam, they can wait and they can get the title shot at some stage in the year. For Poirier, he's coming off a loss. A win over Benoit Saint-Denis immediately re-establishes himself within the title picture. And given that he's fought twice for the belt, but never against Islam, he is still a contender. Uh, but crucial fight for him, because he has a hungry, dangerous challenger looking to steal that spot in the division's elite, Benoit Saint-Denis on a massive winning streak, has been putting guys away in emphatic fashion. Uh, most recently, the head kick knockout over Matt Frivola, who was in career best form himself. Those are two banging announcements. Uh, so UFC 299, five rounds. If this ain't a fight of the year contender, I don't know what it is. Poirier, Benoit Saint-Denis, and then just around the corner after that, we will have Armin Charles Oliveira, winner fights for the belt. Now before I finish with my UFC Vegas 85 preview and picks, mainly just a picks because it's an Apex card, Francis Ngannou, Anthony Joshua, it's been announced. Now boxing, I tune into certain things, I tune into certain things, like I like Canelo, uh, I will follow more of the Australian scene, Tim Zhu, Liam Paro, there's a few. But there's a lot of boxing that I don't like as well. Like, I know some people enjoy the Paul Brothers, KSI. I'm not a hater, like, I'm not going to bash anyone for enjoying what they enjoy. But you're, just, you're not going to catch me watching the press conference for a Paul fight. Like, I just don't give a shit. A lot of people do. A lot of kids do. Um, and I've been there, I was a kid, and now, as someone who's a bit older, I kind of understand. You know, when we were kids, we liked things, and adults were like, this is stupid as shit, and we were like, no, this is cool. That's kind of where I'm at. 
with the Jake Paul thing. So boxing, I honestly stay mostly clear of. I just, I can't be fucked because most other sports I enjoy, you get to see the best up against the best. With boxing, there is so much fannying about and fucking around that I'm just like, you know what? Why invest myself emotionally into this? Francis Ngannou, Anthony Joshua, they are two boxers that I do tune in to watch. And yeah, they're going to fight. Obviously Ngannou had that huge fight against Tyson Fury. Anthony Joshua coming off a win himself. Uh, Now, the original plan was looking like it was going to be Deontay Wilder up against Anthony Joshua. But the Kiwi, my man Joseph Parker, put a stop to those plans. And it was Ngannou who was the beneficiary. So now, cornered by Eddie Hearn, you have Anthony Joshua, uh, who's a star in his own right, a massive name for someone with a boxing record of 0-1. Perfect way for Ngannou to really keep this momentum rolling. He is getting paid out the fucking asshole. I'm jealous. I wish I could box uh, to this level, because holy shit. But yeah, he's getting paid out the wazoo. Anthony Joshua... Like, I'm hyped for this matchup. Ngannou, to me, I know now there has become, like, almost this gimmick section of boxing, whether it's YouTubers or whether it's MMA fighters who are in their 40s, like a bit older. There's a subsection. Even here in Australia, like, our kind of gimmick boxing is we'll get the rugby and rugby league players uh, to box and do it like that. So there's definitely a subsection of boxing that is basically a gimmick. Some of it I enjoy more than others. Like sometimes it's funny watching sports stars put on the gloves and throw hands. And some of it I'm just not into. Like the problem child Jake Paul, Mr. If I wasn't boxing, I'd be dead or in jail. It's like, um, don't forget you were on Disney as a kid and probably had many more luxuries and a better fucking platform To not end up in jail for being on Disney. Although, a lot of child stars do end up pretty fucked up. But, yeah, not a Jake Paul fan. Not about that today. I am an Ngannou fan. Anthony Joshua presents a real threat. A real threat. He is in the best form of his career. Has really turned things around since that Usyk loss. And for Ngannou, this is an interesting one. Because if he is to lose this... Yes, he's still a big name. He's still a star. There are going to be fights out there for him. But all of a sudden, it does lose a bit of luster to have an 0-2 record. And I know you could argue right now he has a 1-0 record and that boxing just, you know, you can't have the newbie 0-0 come in and beat the gypsy king. So I do think there was fuckery at play there. He does have an 0-1 record. But if he loses to Joshua 0-2, then all of a sudden it's the conversation of does he go and fight in PFL? Because it looks at this stage like no PFL MMA for 2024, which in Ghana is their biggest investment. It's very interesting on that front, uh, but if Francis wins, holy shit. I think already, as far as the heavyweight division in boxing, this has given everything a massive shot in the arm. Because whilst there's all this fannying about, you've got about 45 different fucking promoters trying to put two guys 
together in the ring and there just seems to be all sorts of nonsense. Now you have Francis Ngannou and you still have all these other guys within the division as well. Uh, but I'm highly excited for this boxing fight. And yeah, as someone who I would definitely say I'm a casual boxing fan, um, that is one I want to watch. Now, the other thing with boxing is how many other fights on that card am I going to want to watch? How many fights on that card are going to be close and competitive? How many other fights on that card um, are there going to be some stars to watch? That's the part I'm not sure about. So alone, depending on the price tag, I don't know if I'd pay $50, $60 just for the main event. But if I was going out to the pub to have a few beers and it is on the telly free of charge, I'm fucking watching for sure. This one very much has my interest. I'm keen for the lead up and I love what Francis Ngannou is doing. I'm all about it when someone... You know, they leave their job, all the shit happened with UFC, Dana White, and this isn't a Dana White trash talk segment, but Dana White tried to run Francis's name into the ground. Now, Francis's name, the stock is higher than ever. He's making more money than ever, which of course, that's not what it's all about, but he's got the platform, he's getting these huge fights, and he's still in mixed martial arts with PFL. This time around, though, he is with an MMA company that is allowing him to chase this dream because this, I believe, is what he wanted to do whilst he was still with the UFC. And can you imagine? Can you imagine that Ngannou Fury fight where Ngannou drops him if Ngannou is still the UFC heavyweight champion of the world? I mean, he would have had to face John Jones, so a lot of who knows, but... Fucking hell. Like, wouldn't that have been massive? But he's a free agent, or I guess technically contracted to PFL, and he's facing Anthony Joshua. Sign me up. Uh, I like the other two fights more. The lightweight fights in MMA. Definitely more of an MMA guy, but I'm on the Nganu train. I'm on the bandwagon, and I'm all about it. But now, let's keep things short and sharp and finish strong. With the first card of the year, UFC Vegas 84, I'm going to give you my picks. Now, as a white belt in jiu-jitsu, you could say I'm a bit of a fucking master at calling these things. I can pick up a lot of things on tape. Uh, and as a white belt in karate, I understand the striking element quite deeply as well. So, yeah, just be aware. I'm a double white belt at the moment, and if you're going to put your life savings on this, on my picks, well, that is on you. But I don't feel too bad about my picks. I've watched all the tape, done all my research, got all the preparation done. Because this is an Apex card, though, we are ripping, 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 ripping through the picks. Uh, now, for fight nights with a crowd and for pay-per-views, there's going to be much more of a preview element. To these, so I'll do way more talking about the fights, the fighters, or fucking stylistic matchup, yada yada yada. I don't know. I know that UFC has to make a purpose of the apex, and I do enjoy the fights there. But first, fucking fight card of the year to be at the apex. It just feels a little bit half-assed. 
for it to be 2024 and we're still getting a lot of Apex cards. And so I just decided this year with the Apex, if the UFC are going to kind of half-ass it, I am too. And the picks are going to be fucking rapid. Okay, let's start at the bottom. Of course, main event, light heavyweight title fight. This fucking chair can suck a fucking bag of dicks. Sorry, cheap chair. And it is now squeaking a lot. Uh, but yeah, Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker in the main event. Saw what happened last time. Thanks, Dan Moverheady. What the fuck? A winner of that. Who knows? They could main event UFC 300 against Alex Pereira. So massive main event. Let's start, though, right at the bottom of the prelims. Josh Van, 9-1, and one, up against Felipe Bunes. Josh Van stepping in for Dennis Bonda, who is out of this one. I'm going Josh Van. I've been a fan of his since he arrived in the UFC. Um, look, doing my picks weekly and doing the podcasts and stuff, there are certain guys and girls that you come to be a fan of. There are some that you're pretty indifferent about, like they're just fighters. And then there are some where it's like, ah, fuck, do I have to go back and watch their fights? Like, I remember the last fight and it was kind of boring. Josh Van's a guy I always get excited about when I see his name, or Joshua Van on the fight card. Uh, this one, a flyweight matchup. I'm going Josh Van by decision over Felipe Bunes. Uh, I think he could get it done by knockout as well, but overall, I really like Josh Van in this matchup. So Josh Van by decision. Then we've got Nicholas Motta up against the highlight of this card for me, Australia's big train, Tom Nolan, 6-0, coming off a massive finish on the Contender Series making his official UFC debut, and it's not just because he's Aussie. This guy is fucking dangerous. I'm a massive fan. He's up against Nicholas Motta, who does have one finish in the UFC against Cameron Van Camp, uh, but there's been a couple of times he's been finished himself. Got floored badly by Jim Miller, who's on this card, and also got rocked, rocked by a wicked elbow from Manuel Torres. Now, Manuel Torres is no fucking joke. Neither's Jim Miller. Uh, the thing, though, for Nicholas Motta, unfortunately, is that Tom Nolan is no fucking joke either. I like Tom Nolan for knockout here. Uh, I also like Tom Nolan round one knockout. But, I don't know, Nicholas Motta, there's, there's a few things there to like. He is dangerous, uh, but he has shown a, te a tendency to get knocked out, and Tom Nolan has shown a tendency to knock people out. I just think Tom Nolan, he's on a tear. I don't know if Nicholas Motta is going to be the one to stop this train, the way it's rolling. So I'm going Tom Nolan by knockout. Uh, also going to have a little dabble on Tom Nolan by first round knockout. Then we have Weston Wilson up against Gene Silver, or John Silver. Not sure how to say that. Featherweight action. I'll be honest, respectfully, uh, a couple of weeks ago when I first looked at this card to start preparing, it was Weston Wilson versus someone else. And I remember being like, ah, oh, okay. It's a bit of an apex matchup for me. This is a bit of an apex matchup for me as well. And I actually had a look at the betting line, which I never let influence my picks. I usually don't look at the betting line. This one, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Giant Silver is... $1.10 favorite. Like, he has fucking John Jones odds, or Khabib Nurmagomedov. According to the betting odds, John Silver 
is the fucking goat. In, Uf- in his UFC debut, 11-2 and two record, to make 10 cents for every dollar you put on him? Like, what the fuck? Weston Wilson hasn't had a great run in the UFC so far, and I don't like to use the term can, uh, because these guys fucking did it. They made it to the UFC, and to actually get there, to get in to a sport like MMA, which is so fickle, like, it is fucking... Next to impossible just to get to the UFC, let alone build from that. Uh, So I'm not knocking the guy at all, but Weston Wilson, it would seem, looking at those odds, that the people believe maybe he's not up to UFC level. For John Silver, though, to have those odds, I mean, what the fuck? What the fuck? So, yeah, there's really no value in this matchup unless you're a Weston Wilson enjoyer. I'm taking John Silver by knockout because apparently he's the fucking best fighter to ever exist. Looking at those odds, so yeah, John Silver by knockout. Next up, Farid Basharat, 11 and 0. Taylor Lapalus, the Frenchman, 19 and 3. This is going to be a highly competitive bantamweight matchup. Winner, they will progress forward quite a decent amount. Now, some fights, I mean, for example. Weston Wilson, Giant Silver. Like a win in certain fights, it will progress you, but then there are other fights where it is progressing you on a streamline toward the rankings and toward getting those kind of fights. This is one of those fights. Farid Basharat, uh, Basharat, brother of Javid, up against Taylor Lapalus. Now, Lapalus, the underdog, do not sleep on Taylor Lapalus. Very, very skilled, uh, has a great striking acumen, very handy on the ground as well. Durable. I don't believe he's ever been finished from memory. His three losses, all by decision. Then you have the undefeated Farid Basharat, uh, who has a fan in me. In his last fight, I put my money on him to win by submission. He won by submission. That always earns some brownie points in my book. Uh, so with that being said, I think this is a really tough matchup for Farid, but... I'm backing him to get it done. And maybe it is because I've had past success. Now for Taylor Lapalus, he's coming off a win over an Irish prospect, that being on the Paris card. Winner of this, slowly but surely you're working yourself toward the top 15 discussion. And it's very early in the year. It's a massive fight for both guys. I'm going to take Farid Basharat by decision. There you go. Marcus McGee, one of my other favorites on this card, up against a former Bellator fighter, Gaston Balanos. Back-to-back bantamweight contests, with this one following Basharat and Lapalus. Marcus McGee. Now, here's a guy who has had quite the start in the UFC. Takes a short-notice matchup, steps in for Brian Kelleher, up against Journey Newsom. Journey Newsom, with a lot of UFC experience to draw on, McGee submits him in the second round. Then comes out, uh, and immediately after that debut, I was like, okay, Marcus McGee, no joke. Next fight against JP Bays, I put money on Marcus to win by knockout. He did that. Like I just said, great way to earn brownie points with me. After Gaston Bolaños, he won in his debut by decision up against Aaron Phillips. This is going to be a highly exciting matchup. Both guys, no stranger to scoring a knockout. I think they'll be swinging on the feet for most of it. But Marcus McGee, if he wants to take it there, I do think he'll have an advantage on the ground. 
As far as method of victory, uh, I'm not particularly sold in any direction, but I am fully on board the Marcus McGee train, and I do think he'll be good enough to stop Gaston Bolaños. So side call, I'm going to say Marcus McGee by knockout, but I just main call is Marcus McGee head-to-head. Then Matthew Semmelsberger, Semi the Jedi, steps up on short notice to take on Preston Pressure Parsons. Preston Parsons uh, beat Evan Elder in his debut by decision, and then a decision loss up against Traven Giles. Uh, I think, did he have another one? Another fight in there? My memory's kind of hazy. Don't think so. Uh, now, what's interesting is Preston was originally going to face a fighter who's very heavy on the grappling, Basil Hafez. Now he's facing Matthew Semmelsberger, who's mostly known for his knockouts. Uh, but Semmelsberger, two straight losses leading into this one, so it's not exactly like he's flying into this fight. Whilst for Preston Parsons, this is the last fight on his UFC contract. A loss most likely means he's out. Uh, so listening to an interview, I heard Preston Parsons say he's going to be looking to finish it in the second. Now, nine of his ten wins have come by way of submission. So, Preston Parsons by submission could be a call. Matthew Samuelsberger. There have been times I've had success backing him. There have been other times uh, where he hasn't been able to get the job done. And as of late, he hasn't been able to get the job done. On this occasion, if he's not able to get the job done, he could be gone. Not sure on his contract situation, but... There is a lot on the line for both these guys in this one. I'm going to take Matthew Samuelsberger by decision, but I don't have a great deal of confidence. So Samuelsberger by decision. Featured prelim, my boy, the salsa boy. Waldo Cortez Acosta, 10-1, up against Andre Arlovsky, former UFC heavyweight champion, and very much the litmus test for any heavyweight trying to prove that they can progress to great things in this division. I'm taking Waldo by knockout. Uh, Waldo's another one of my guys that I've been following for a little bit now since his time in LFA. And I like him. Now, he definitely isn't the finished product. We've seen his legs get chopped up in fights. He lost to Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Uh, was probably pushed and challenged by guys like Jake Collier. Was it Jake Collier? And Jared Vandera. Let me just double check that. Um... No, I don't know if he ever faced Jake Collier, but it might have been Chase Sherman. But he did face Jared Vandera, and yeah, just he was having matchups that were a bit too competitive for the strength of competition. Then Waldo comes out and fucking just destroys Lucas Breschke. Who look, Breschke hasn't been that impressive in the UFC either. Uh, but Salsa Boy. Knockouts are where it's at with him. And look, a lot of his fights have gone to decision. It was Chase Sherman that he fought because, again, I remember making some sweet moolah saying that fight was going to go the distance. So yeah, he has had quite a number of his UFC fights go the distance, but when the salsa boy is at his spiciest, his tangiest, and his juiciest is when he's scoring the knockouts. Now having a look at the betting line, though, he is a heavy favorite. $1.14 favorite. I don't think that's justified. Arlovsky, still a tough test. And Waldo Cortez Acosta, it's not like he's screaming future heavyweight champion. Uh, so as far as money on this, I'd probably stay away from it. 
Arlovsky definitely good enough uh, to stop this prospect, but I'm on the Salsa Boy train. He's one that I've been following. Now, at times, like with my picks, I don't always back the ones that I've been following. Sometimes you got to know when the right time is to kind of, you know, jump off the train. Still be a fan, but pick against them. This isn't that time for me with Salsa Boy. I actually think he could be in for a massive 2024. The key for him will now be, instead of being in those 15-minute grinds where he's getting his leg chopped up, it's time for Salsa Boy to sort of do his thing and start getting those finishes. So I'm going to take Salsa Boy, Waldo Cortez Acosta by knockout. Now, let's set our sights on the main card. Sad violin for some devastating news. The main card has lost the Ketlin Vieira Macy Chason bout. So, for those of you who had been hanging out for, what, three weeks, no UFC, for those of you who just couldn't wait for Ketlin Vieira Macy Chason, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you, it's not happening. Uh, we do have one, two, three, four, five fights on the main card. Two of them are... At the very top, we've seen matchup before, but yeah, two different results. Uh, first up, we got Phil No Hype Hawes up against Bruno Ferreira. Both guys coming off a knockout loss. Both guys capable of a knockout win upon bounce back. Uh, I mentioned on the last podcast, my main pick for this one is that there is a knockout. Not exactly sure who scores it. Hawes has a lot of experience. Been around the block a couple of times uh, and has matched up with plenty of dangerous opponents. Whilst Bruno Ferreira, pretty new to the game, uh, but already has a very impressive knockout finish over Gregory Rodriguez on the resume. Winner, will they become very much relevant in the most stacked division, my belief, right now, uh, middleweight? I'm going Bruno Ferreira by knockout. My main pick for this one is that there is a knockout. I think Phil Hawes very much capable of getting the win here. But I like Bruno, the Hulk. I think Hulk will smash. So Bruno Ferreira by knockout. Apex card, so we move on. Uh, but that one is going to be a banger. I'm sure all like 20 people at the Apex will lose their shit. Would have been way better with the crowd. Uh, next up, bantamweight action of the ranked variety. You have Ricky Simone looking to bounce back from his main event loss against Song Yadong, up against a prospect who is on a tear right now, one of a couple of MMA lab fighters within the bantamweight division, including Marcus McGee, including the champion, Sugar Sean O'Malley, Mario Bautista, who's really looking to announce himself as a threat at 135 pounds. Just checking the rankings... Simone, 13th. Oh, Bautista not ranked. So this is it. Mario Bautista, uh, through his body of work, he has now earned this opportunity against Ricky Simone to break into the rankings. And it was off a massive 2023 as well. First round submission for Mario over Guido Canetti. Uh, decision over the highly talented Demond Blackshear. Uh, he has a win by decision over Jay Perrin. A submission over Benito Lopez. Four-fight win streak, the last loss being a knockout against Trevin Jones. Mario Bautista has worked himself to the point now 
where he's fighting to get into the rankings and really make a push in 2024. Ricky Simone is not going to want that to be at his expense. Now, both guys, the exact same amount of reach. I think they'll be very evenly matched. I'm going Ricky Simone. I, uh, this one, I really don't know. I think we'll see quite a bit of grappling, uh, maybe a few submission attempts from both guys. I think it will be evenly matched. I have this one going the distance. Not particularly sold on Ricky Simone. I think Mario Bautista, this could really be the moment where he breaks through in the division. Uh, but I still think Simone, he's got a bit, bit of cooking left to do before he bounces out of the rankings. So I'm going to take Ricky Simone by decision in that one. Then Jim Miller, Gabriel Benitez, Mowgli Benitez, uh, coming off a knockout win over Charlie Ontiveros. That got him out of a pretty poor patch of form. Jim Miller, with one of the knockouts of the year over Jesse Butler, a fighter who's been around forever. But as of late, he's really reinvented himself with the knockouts. He's been able to finish, guys. My original pick here was going to be Jim Miller by decision. I'm going to go Jim Miller by knockout. I think he gets the finish. I think we do see him on UFC 300. Jim Miller by knockout over Gabriel Benitez. Co-main event, flyweight. Two guys right in the title picture. Mateus Nicolau hoping to bounce back uh, from that devastating knockout loss against Brandon Royval. And Manel Cape coming off a fight in the night victory. These two square off once again after previously meeting in the apex. Mateus Nicolau getting his hand raised. Uh, but going back and watching that fight, I think there is a very solid argument that Manel Cap actually won that fight. But I was fucking munching Doritos, like fingers covered in the Dorito dust. I am a white belt, so yeah, that was my fucking judgment. But yeah, I went back. I went back because I saw it was a split decision. I had to, you know, formulate more of an opinion as to who I was going to pick this time around. And watching, I actually thought Cape did enough. Uh, the thing was, though, in round one, very lackluster. It seemed that with this weight cut, uh, which has been an area Manel has stumbled in the past, with the weight cut, it just seemed like in the first round, that explosive style of Manel wasn't there to be found. It seemed like he was just waiting for the second and third. Uh, but to be a complete UFC fighter and to take that next step, toward being a champion, you need to be able to push the pace for three rounds. Trust me, I'm a fucking white belt. Now, I just felt like him not pushing the pace is why this fight is in the apex. Because last time out, Manel in Sydney put on a fight of the night in front of a crowd that was raring to go. So why now back to the apex? Uh, well, Nicolau coming off a loss, this is in the co-main event spotlight but no massive crowd. Uh, so there is going to be a point to prove for both of these guys. Winner, especially in Manel's case, uh, surges right into that title picture. With Manel, has he been able to put those inconsistencies, the weight misses, uh, some of the not-so-flash performances behind him? If he has, I mean, he deserves to be the heavy favourite in this one. But with Mateus Nicolau, I'm not quite willing to write him off yet. I'm going to go Nicolau by decision. This one I don't really have a great deal of confidence in. 
But there are a lot of favourites on this card. Something's got to give. I think Nicolau is good enough to get the upset victory. Manal Cape at his best. I think he wins this by knockout. But Manal Cape isn't, uh, isn't one of those guys that consistently every single time shows up at his best. So for that reason, I'm going to go Mateus Nicolau. I think he's got a decent level of consistency uh, that can see him edge out a win on the scorecards. So Nicolau by decision. Speaking of the scorecards, we'll finish off with the main event. Uh, originally, Johnny Walker, Magomed Ankalaev had Walker winning by knockout the first time they met. The fight ended in a no contest. Um, this time around, I'm switching it up. I'm going Magomed Ankalaev by decision. Magomed, very heavy favorite. I don't know if the odds reflect the true nature of this contest. I think Johnny Walker is a real chance of coming out with something big here. I think if he gets a statement finish, he gets Pereira next. So Johnny Walker, he's so big, he's so powerful, explosive, has an underrated gas tank as well. If the fight goes to the floor, he does have a Brazilian jiu-jitsu background, so he can draw on that. Obviously, if the fight does go to the floor, though, you would have to favor Ankalaev. This one, I really don't know uh, how, how it's going to play out. Really not sure. Curious to see. Winner could be in line for the title shot next, as soon as UFC 300, if things go well. So, I'm taking Magomed Ankalaev by decision. And again, for the Apex cards, we're going rapid. Sorry to go through the main event that quickly. Fight nights with crowds, pay-per-views, you're going to get the full fucking shebang. Full experience. Uh, now, it's unfortunate for the fighters who do fight at the Apex that I'll just wish straight through. But that's what we've done. And those are my picks. Sunday, I'm going to be watching the card. And then I'm going to drop a podcast with my thoughts on all the action, the results, what went down. Some of the highlights as well. Uh, I do believe by Sunday we'll have some more big fight news of the 300 variety. Uh, so like today, how I opened up with some news, things like that. I don't know if I'll open Sunday's podcast with news, but we will touch on uh, whatever big fight announcements break in between now and then. And yeah, first fight card of the year, baby. Pay-per-view just around the corner. I'm excited. But first, before we get the pay-per-view, before we are treated to the pay-per-view in Canada, we're going to have to go through the Apex again. I'm not an Apex hater, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if that is how I would like to start the year. You know? I don't know. It's like New Year's, you know? You get a New Year's kiss. It's like, fuck yeah, what a way to start the New Year's. I've just kissed this girl. But it's your sister. So it just, it's a bit off is where I'm at with the Apex at this stage. I assume it costs a fuckload of money to keep it running, to keep the lights on there. So I understand that they want to have events there and that they will continue to have events there. But fuck, there's a, there's a few Apex cards to start the year. Can we get some crowds? Seriously. I don't think it's too much to ask at this point. What, now four years on? Or maybe not four years, but it was 2020 
when the pandemic was at its height. It is now 2024. More crowds. Take it to fucking South Korea. I don't give a shit. There are places that the UFC haven't returned to yet. Take it to Sweden. Take it to Germany. Poland. Scotland. I don't give a flaming shit. Because I tell you what, anywhere in the world with a crowd, that is going to excite me a bit more at this point than the Apex. So that's my rule for this year. Any Apex card, it's getting the rapid treatment. I'll be back on Sunday to go through all the action. Hopefully it's a banging. A banger. A banging? I was going to say a banging card. Uh, But we'll get it done. And then next week, it's going to be all about UFC 297. A very strong focus on that. I've already started watching the tape, looking at my picks. Uh, And unlike today, there will be much more of a heavy preview element to the podcast. Actually previewing the fights, talking about, you know, the run that both guys or girls have been on, what gym they train at, all that sort of shite. But Apex? Nah, no deal. My throat kind of gave out on me there. I was trying to say nah. That was not much better, was it? Uh, but I'm thinking deal or no deal. Howie Mandel, if you're American. Fucking Andrew O'Keefe, if you're Australian. Just a big fat no deal. Arms fucking crossed to the apex is where I'm at. I'll get up and watch it anyway because that's kind of fucker I am, but... I want a crowd. Let's get some crowds. We'll get crowds next week, and we look forward to it. So, see you Sunday. We'll talk about UFC Vegas 84, and yeah, we'll get amongst all the combat news as well. Oh, dropping my 10 cent coin. Look at me, fucking Jay-Z. All this money around me. Uh, But yeah, we're done for today. Otherwise, I'm going to keep talking shit. So, thank you very much for listening. Until Sunday, enjoy the weekend, and most importantly... For the first time this year, do make sure to enjoy the fights. See ya on Sunday.